Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our continued coverage from Tribeca. This is a review of all these small moments. I am Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. We have, we have survived Tribeca. We have survived our two weeks in New York. We are back, back home in San Francisco, back in the normal studio, hopefully... Things sound a little bit better. Hopefully we sound a little bit more upbeat, um, but we still have four more episodes to cover from things that we saw over there. And then we also have a review of Infinity uh, Brunch. Yeah, of Avengers Infinity War, which we will have for you later um, this week. We will be recording it. Um, but yeah, how does it feel to be home, Stephen? It, it, it feels good. I haven't really settled back into being home yet. I mean... You flew in pretty early yesterday. I flew in very late at night. I didn't yeah. sleep a whole lot. So I am still on the kind of like New York sleep deprived schedule. Yeah. Um, but after we knock out these four and it's roughly three in the morning <laughs> and we walk home, <laughs> I'll, I'll be feeling like a million bucks. Yeah. It, right. was, it was funny that like I flew in early, but then I saw the latest possible showing of Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. And right when I got out of the movie, I had seven minutes earlier is when you had texted me. <laughs> And I was like, cool. <laughs> so I, it, it was part in like solidarity trying to stay up as late as I could for you, Stephen. Yeah, but I, also, I appreciate it. But also it's because I wanted to go see Infinity You could have just gotten me a card or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are, we are going to dive into um, the remainder of the stuff that we have to cover. Um, there's still no trailer available for all these small moments, but we do have a clip from the film which was made available. So we're going to play that and then we're going to dive into the review. You didn't even touch them. Look at me. Do I look like someone who'd be interested in lifting weights? Well, I just thought... There's nothing wrong with some tone. Huh? Well, we think it could help with your, your focus and your self-esteem. We? So you guys are like a team now? Well, fine. Just give them to Simon. Maybe he wants them. I don't want them. Wouldn't hurt, you know, for either of you to buff up. Eh, it could actually, if done incorrectly. Yeah, since one was being buff valued in this family anyway. And I use the term family really loosely. That was the clip from All These Small Moments. Basically, this is a nice little film about a, a young boy um, in high school. His family's, uh, or his, his parents' marriage is a little, little rocky. Um, him and his brother are sort of kind of navigating the home life that he has there. Um, but every day he rides the bus as he goes about his normal day. And on the bus... He sees a nice, a nice older woman who he's slightly attracted to, and it's just a story of him. In uh, it's just a story of a series of small moments uh, towards the end of high school, where he's dealing with his home life, his personal life, and this uh, creature that he's fawning over as he rides the bus. Spoilers: It's a woman. <laughs> I said, I said, older woman. Anyways, uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of all these small moments? So I think at the beginning of our review of Blue Knight, I said that that was the sort of movie I came to Tribeca expecting, like a movie set in New York, taking place over a small amount of time that was maybe like a little rough around the edges, but had its heart in the right place. I lied. This is like actually the ideal <laughs> Tribeca sort of movie I was expecting, which is to say exactly how you described it. Nice little film. This film is very nice, very little, very indie festival it reminds me a lot of uh ira Sachs as a director who made like uh, little men was a movie that carson made fun of me for loving a couple years ago but he 
films that kind of center around kids and families that are growing up in the city, just going through kind of standard coming of age drama. I think this movie is like Squid and the Whale, but for well-adjusted people. <laughs> like <laughs> conceptually, it's like I, like the characters kind of fit one to one, but everyone is like much more lighthearted and generally doing better in life, and they just have kind of minor things to work out. But I don't know. From the moment this movie started. Um, there's a title sequence that is animated and a kind of poppy song is playing underneath. We were both very exhausted sitting in this theater. This was movie number like 13 of the festival or something. Yeah. None of us were that excited, right? Because there's very little information about the movie going into it. I mean, this is one of the ones when we were booking it. I was like, oh, a high school kid falls in love with this girl he sees every day on the train. This is a Chris movie. I'm 100% in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily in for that time slot or sitting in that theater at that period in time. Um, So, yeah, I was I was a little I think you were concerned that I was about to fall asleep because I think you you I I sort of opened my eyes and you gave me I looked over and Chris's (laughs) eyes were closed during the title sequence. And I know because I looked over to say I already love this movie (laughs) because it it just sets a tone that this is going to be playful, kind of innocent fun movie about growing up and dealing with growing up problems. And that's exactly what this is. It's a very small movie. I I could barely tell you what happens other than the central um, falling in love hood that happens to yeah. Howie uh, with relation to this older woman, Jemima Kirk, who he sees on the bus. Um, but th- that's basically enough. This is just a movie that has lots of sweet little moments. I think the character of Howie, who's played by Brendan Mayer, who I hadn't actually seen him in anything before. He's a very believable kid who kind of, he thinks he's older than he is. And he's kind of like trying to leap ahead to the point in life when he is a clever adult with witty things to say. And that betrays the fact that like the moment he tries to speak to someone, he fumbles over his words and kind of sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. My By far, my favorite scene in this movie involves him eating raw Brussels sprouts to <laughs> impress someone. Um, which, pause, story time. A long, long time ago, I was in eighth grade. I had a crush on a girl. Uh, we'll call her Shmalisha. <laughs> in in my theater class in school. And my mom had left me some money to get my brother and sister lunch like at a pizza place next door. And I walked over, got a pizza, and when I was walking back, I ran into her and I walked up to her and I was like, you want to sit here and eat this pizza with me? Because otherwise I'm just going to throw it away. Because <laughs> I was I was tongue tied, right? Like I want because you had game as a child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had game. I wanted to do something. And she looked at me and she was like, you're going to throw away a, a pizza. So I felt for Howie in that moment. I understand, like, that feeling of being young and wanting to, like, be game for whatever and seem positive. And you know, like, you know the cadence of a person who knows how to talk to girls, but you don't have any content to back it up. Yeah. Um, so I thought he was endearing. I like the parents, uh, Molly Ringwald and Brian Darcy James. They're both good as a kind of couple going through some difficulties in life. And yeah, I don't, it was just a nice movie. It was very small. There's very little to talk about, but it, it left me with a smile on my face. It's the kind of appropriately small thing that I expected from a festival like this. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I loved watching this film. Like, I think the individual moments, much like in our review of Untogether, um, I think the individual moments of this film are brilliant. There are moments that just, it made me smile, smile in an uncontrollable way where I was like, oh, God damn it, stupid movie got me. Like, just, we, we, we had both talked about uh, the, first, the first time he's on the bus staring at this woman and she, like, notices him staring. Like, just her sort of acknowledgement of, of seeing it and acknowledging him realizing that she saw it. Like, there was this... The, like the, the the performances in the film communicating what is happening is are just brilliantly done and just executed perfectly. I think the family dynamics are really interesting too. Like the uh, in the Q and A afterwards, the director was talking about how like she didn't want this to be. Um, this isn't a story about uh, one person who's fucking up a marriage and the other person being the victim in that circumstance. It's about two people who just didn't handle everything perfectly, trying to figure out what's going on in this mess that they've created for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think the film does a pretty good job of two people who haven't been putting in enough effort to keep the relationship alive. And I think that what the film handles really brilliantly is the, the, the way the two kids are dealing with that. Like Mm -hmm. you have the older boy who's sort of just, Either he's too down on reality of life and just is like, yeah, parents are going to fight and maybe break up. Just stop putting us through this and do it already. And the younger kid is like acting out, trying to be like, you know, you are causing these problems for me. We're supposed to be a happy family. Like there, there, there's a really nice dynamic between the two brothers and how they play against um, the, old, the older uh, couple. Um, I think that the film in its attempts to take its namesake and the way the film concludes, I think are a little clunky. Like that's kind of my least favorite thing of this film. This, this film ends with like a line of dialogue. Like when I try to remember back to the end of high school, yeah, it it's to really pull all years. Yeah, in like it's like the last it's five all, seconds. all these small moments that really make me who I was. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you did not earn. Sure. But just cut that part mentally from your head. No, no, no. I, I, I can't. I, in, in general, like I really enjoyed this film and I think that it gets the messiness of relationships really, really well. And I, I completely understand how uh, Jemima Kirk's character can like like the fact that this younger boy like this isn't a weird movie about like a cougar trying to take on a little a little high schooler. No, right? This isn't season one of Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This This is just the story of like. A woman who's going through her own thing sees affection from a younger person and doesn't feels, feels flattery from like it. It's like a combination. You don't know if it's flattery or an awe. Shucks, I remember what it was like to feel that way. Or like it, it isn't clear, but it, it isn't a creepy thing that she's giving back to this person. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like, like a recognition of what we're all recognizing, which is the the little bit you identify with with the character of Howie. Yeah, yeah. And I I I, I really enjoyed that. I like. The interactions of of the boy. I don't think his like poetry background is super interesting and compelling to me. Like I I think it's I assume it was very like uh, it was you know the the filmmakers trying to like get her writing chops out and just write poems that sound nice. But in a way, when you see the character, you kind of you picture him much like the the young boy in the seagull, right? Where he's like, I'm trying to write these grandiose statements about how I'm in love with this woman. Um, but I think that like. That was sort of my least favorite part. I was kind of like, okay, this kid's not that good at writing poems, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he can't talk out loud, but he can write all these poems that communicate exactly how he's feeling. Like, whatever, this is a filmic moment. I don't care. Um, but but I, I really enjoyed um, the overall journey and watching these characters interact and watching the relationships build up and fall down around all of the characters as a whole. Like, this is... Once again, much like Untogether, this is a film about messy stuff. I mean, there's... 
There's the the girl at his school that uh, Harley Quinn yeah, Smith. Yeah, that that is that is interested in him, but he's sort of oblivious because he's interested in this 30 year old woman that he sees on the bus. There's, you know, like there, there's there's a lot of complex things that are happening, and it's just a story where you watch. You're like, it's the inconvenience of love, where life puts us in front of these things that we can all we have to do is put effort towards and we can build something somewhere but mm-hmm. we're always misdirected or 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 like concerned with the wrong thing at any given moment in time and all those things every action we take builds to who we are today um, which is sort of the point of the story but at the same time if you just take the right action at the right time everything can just fall into, into place right and i right. think i think it's a very touching film and i think it's a i i, I like what was done with it i think the ending, like the ending, I don't think is earned. As I said, I which, think it, it just doesn't know when to end, and it's like might as well be here. Cue, cue whatever line we yeah. could have used anywhere in the movie to signify the ending. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 last line of the film, or the last character spoken line, voiceover thing of the film, is essentially the elevator pitch for this film, right? Um, but it, but it's it doesn't take away too much from it from me as a general watching principle. Like I really loved the experience of seeing it. It's just one of those things like, Ooh, you were doing so well. And then you just didn't like, you, you took that step after you jumped off the pommel horse or whatever. The, yeah. the so the thing is, I, I don't really mind the ending, but I do mind what I think the ending belies, which is that there aren't really character arcs in this movie. Like you could say there are in the Q and a people kind of gave lip service to like, every character individually having a thing that they went through. And that that may be true, but we're given such little snapshots. I don't think you can really say that it built toward anything like that. Stephen, we're not giving snapshots. We're giving a bunch of small moments. Yeah, all the small moments. All of the small moments. Um, like For instance, the younger brother character, um, on paper, the way you described him is true. He's lashing out a little bit more. He's younger. He's taking things more personally. Again, go back to Squid and the Whale. The older brother is kind of hyper-literate and thinks he's better than whatever mess is happening. And the younger brother is like letting it affect his behavior in ways that aren't really going to be revealed until later in the movie. Um, the thing is, I feel like we see so little of the younger brother character that it, it isn't even like a story told in passing. It's just a story that's like, oh, by the way, he had an arc too. And then we just kind of take our, the the movie's word for it, which is fine. But, but it's just I, the 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 movie I think really is so it's so vignetteified that you really can't trace why anyone goes through anything except for maybe the the central crush mance of of the character of Howie and as it relates to Odessa. But but I think that like the the younger brother, he's the youngest, but he is. He is trying. He's trying to forcefully age himself the most, and like he's trying to be the mature, mature man in the house because his father figure, in his eyes, is a bad person who's ruining the marriage of his of of his between him and his mother. So I think that, like, to me, I see, I see enough of that story because that is the defining thing of of what he was going through at that time. It's a story about him learning like from from his standpoint it's a story of him learning that like maybe his dad isn't the enemy and maybe his mom isn't the victim mm-hmm. maybe it's some combination of the two and i think that he does he does achieve that from a standpoint like there is it, there there is one scene where that sort of is played to the best uh effect and i think that um in the q a they described that was a happy accident yeah. like that's something they came up with after seeing a moment while the camera was not rolling um but i think that that was there in spirit and just was executed a little better because they they realized that they needed to communicate that more and i think there's 
he's not the main character, but he does enough to. He, he, we're also seeing him from the older brother standpoint too. Like he, we only get as much information from him as what is being remembered by our main character because this is a reflective piece about what was happening at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I buy that. I guess another example is uh, Harley Quinn Smith's character, the the friend, the girl at school that seems to have a crush on him or at least wants to connect with him who yeah. the character of howie kind of she barely registers for him uh those conversations i really liked her in those moments i think she betrays the kind of the insecurities that a teenage girl of her age would feel given the the things in her life that have happened and i, I thought she was a really sweet little side note to the main story yeah, yeah. um to the point where, again, I wish there had been more of it. Like This movie is very, very short, which is, is good in the sense that it makes it breezy and move move nice and quickly. But I think it could have actually used a little more time to... If, if it built the middle more, where I felt like all the characters were at a midpoint, where they're like on the verge of tipping, yeah. I would maybe feel the conclusion a little stronger than I did. But I, I still think it was really nice for what it was. It just... This could have been a collection of... TV episodes. It could have been anything, right? It's, yeah, it's all I mean, just about the feeling that is happening. It's very little about a kind of narrative. We, we've talked in the past about things that are that are versions of easy. Um, and I think that this would have done really, really well if we could see this as like a six episode, 30 minute each um, series of vignettes with their own arc told from individual characters' point of views um, to just kind of like flesh out the story a little bit more um, and then maybe end in a place that was um, worth the full journey instead of just like, existentially worth it yeah. but yeah so the only other thing i want to say without giving any spoilers is that there is one action toward the end that jemima kirk's character takes that i didn't believe it felt like a filmic moment but it didn't feel like a thing that would flow from anything else we've learned about that character up until this point i know we can't really like argue that without going into spoilers but it it was just one thing from what otherwise i thought was a pretty perfect character and a perfect vehicle for jemima kirk i thought it was it was like going so it was nailing the feeling that i wanted it to nail and then it just like dialed it a little bit further than i wanted it to i i think it was a believable outcome Especially because of the, if we if we if we talk about actions versus intent, I a hundred percent believe the actions, um, and I think that the intent was different than the actions, and so for me, it didn't feel completely filmic, um, especially because of the way everyone involved reacts to that mm-hmm. moment. Um, that is what paid off the fact that it wasn't just this filmic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. the 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 reactions after were much more believable. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I feel that like, I feel like, on paper, if you were reading a book, you know, version of it, you'd be like, oh fuck this, right? But I think that like once you finish reading those next few pages, and you're like, oh okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I think it handles it uh, appropriately, and I think it handles it. Um, it's. It worked for me, and I didn't question it at all, basically. Cool. That's what I'd like to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, my my second film uh, watching with Jemima Kirk. Uh, I think we both had a little bit of discussion about how, like, this role feels, like, perfect for her 
a little bit more than maybe the role in Untogether did. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I thought she was fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's my maybe my favorite character she's played so far, only because it's the it's the easiest to love, which doesn't mean it's the best acting job or the most challenging role, but it, it it's the kind of role that makes you get everything about what she's putting out there in the world without having to wade through some of the more messy things that her characters are usually yeah doing and 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 the role that she's playing is not a role that's built upon quippy dialogue or her trying to feel smarter than other people or more vulnerable than other people Mm -hmm. it's just sort of her existing in front of the camera and then you as a watcher doing all the work to get there um which is just it's one of those things where like i was transported into a high school boy watching her on the bus and i was just like oh yeah duh Not since Swiss Army Man have I so related to stalking <laughs> someone on a buzz. Uh, yes. Um, but anyways, uh, should we get to our verdicts for this film? Sure. Cool. Uh, so, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, a rec run with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? What did I give on together? Recomm- uh, wait for rental, that one? I think you gave it a wait for rental, Probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bump this to recommend with a caveat because it was such a feel-good movie and it put me in the right headspace and it won me over despite me being exhausted and like not really in a receptive movie-watching mood anymore. So I think it's a nice viewing experience and it's a thing that I hadn't gotten yet at the festival. But I do think this is kind of a very rough movie that is much more about positive light emotion than it is about crafting any sort of narrative. It could fit in pretty much any medium. Movies just as good as any other, I guess, but it is nothing wonderful to write home about. But I think when it comes out on Netflix, like you're going to really, really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is the this is the the perfect like this is like the type of movie that I would watch like happy anniversary that I would see a Netflix trailer for and be like, I'm going to watch this and then very much enjoy it. Um, it's a it's a reckon of the caveat for me. Uh, if it you know, if you if you remove that last uh, <laughs> that last voiceover bit and sort of just finish off, if if you just stick that landing perfectly, it definitely it probably would have been a must see for me. Um, but I think that it's just a very fine film um, that I enjoyed a lot. Thought it had a lot of heart, and hope that other people can see and enjoy. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of this review of all these small moments. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com/sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com/christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from this song... My Love Will Bring You Back by Slow Runner. That is a song that is playing right now, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, Another brief episode from our Tribeca coverage. We're going to head off and record another one for you. So, see you then. My love will bring you back. 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 My love will bring